Altitude's undefeated. Crap, maybe we'll punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I don't think I was running and starting <laughs> to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is June 6th, 2023, the 79th anniversary of the invasions of D-Day in Normandy, France. I don't know if we have any World War II veterans who listen to the podcast, but thank you for your service, sacrifice, and significance nonetheless. Since the last time HTHL recorded, Ted Lasso wrapped up, Man City won the FA Cup, the CCL ended and then reformatted and rebranded. Zlatan Ibrahimovic retired. Anthony Hudson got a full-time job far, far away from the United States. And the Rapids played two games, winning neither of them. I'm joined now by a man who's just here so he won't get fined, Rabbi Mark Goodman. I am more than here uh, and do not want to get fined. And I don't know who would be the fining authority anyway, since we're a unit, Matt. We're holding the highline uh, media conglomerated limited uh, corporate headquarters. And so, you know, I am like CEO and, and CFO and, and boss. Like it's like Porrick Smith finding himself. It just, it's, you know, he doesn't, I'm just rambling. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm good, Mark. Uh, I, I'm Mark Rabbi. I'm pretty sure I'm the. I, I would say I have to be CFO as the person who's had significantly more math classes and is the person and is. The, oh, I. Th- I think you're the CEO. You think like, I'm the, the CEO? Okay. I think yeah, we agree that you were the union rep and I was also the head of HR. So maybe there's a conflict there potentially. Yeah, I only think I'm the finance guy because I I've been I've designed more of the merch, but. To, but that's it meaning I, I i i wouldn't say i bring in more of the the money i'd say i i spunk more of the money right i i i make i make all the poor financial choices that this podcast endeavors it to go into i haven't gotten your uh, expense receipts mark from your business trip this past wednesday to columbus so be sure to get that in i'll submit those with my tps reports okay thank you very much Um, Mark, we've got a a smattering of things that we want to talk about banter-wise. I mentioned them all in the rundown and everything, so I'm going to go through all the topics that I think are remotely relevant, and I'm going to touch on what I think is significant. First of all, I thought LAFC was an absolute dud in Champions League. Uh, They should have been, or they I, I would argue in the greater soccer realm, they were seen as the favorite going into this game, and in neither game nor on the whole of the 180 minutes did they look remotely competitive for me. I never felt at this point, the only time, Rabbi, I felt I thought LAFC could actually win this was Bowanga's goal at the death after they should have been down 3-0 and ultimately ended the game only being down 2-1 after the first leg. They were a disappointment. I thought that... Um, and that Steve Trundolo overthought it a little bit. I didn't understand what he was trying to do tactically. From what I saw on the field, I'm not sure that the players understood it either-wise. And Mark, while I think he makes a really good point in his post-game press conference the other night, saying that it's hard for us to compete with Mexican teams when certain owners and MLS are holding this team back, this league back financially, if Brad, Bob Bradley, or no, excuse me, if Greg Vanny had made that comment in 2017 with... Um, Toronto being unable to finish it off fine if other 
head coaches or GMs of teams that have lost to Mexican teams in the semifinals in years past had made that comment. I think that would have been fine. Well, I understand, Mark, and generally, I think if most head coaches say that, they're making a valid point and definitely subtweeting a handful of owners, including the Colorado Rapids owner, Cronky Sports and Entertainment. I don't think that's a relevant argument to make when you've got an open DP slot with when you let Chicho Arango go in the, go in the offseason and you did not try and replace him, and you have the owners to where you would have said, hey, we found a player, we think he makes us better, I need $5 million in order to sign him, your ownership group is giving him is giving you that. So, uh, Crimea River, LAFC did not deserve to win this championship, and I thought that the other night, Leon showed that last year what the Sounders did was historic, but was also extremely fortuitous in terms of the route they had to winning the final and the level of difficulty that was not there. <clears throat> and ultimately, what happened last year did not change the paradigm that currently exists between Liga Mekis and MLS. And we're going to get a lot larger sample size uh, in a couple of months when League's Cup happens as well. Secondly, uh, CONCACAF Champions League is now the CONCACAF Championship Cup. You can go check out the format change and everything. There's now five rounds. 27 teams qualify for this, From uh, and they've expanded the ways in which those teams qualify. The most significant thing, Rapids fans, if we ever want to see the Rapids play and lose in the first round to a Central American team in CCL or CCC, again, uh, will be, one, win MLS Cup, two, win the Supporters' Shield, three, be the other comp- regular season conference champion, or uh, four or five be the two next best teams by Supporters Shield standing regardless of conference. There's also the Open Cup. So potentially now, Mark, there are six different ways that uh, U.S.-based teams can. Seven. There's seven. Leagues, there's Leagues Cup, too. Okay, you, seven you, potential you... ways that a <laughs> seven potential ways that a U.S.-based MLS team can qualify. Ultimately, there's and... potentially eight MLS teams that could qualify. Won't do any of them this year. I'm almost certain. Yes, so that happened. Uh, Mark, I want to throw it to you. Uh, We're currently podcasting in the middle of the round for the quarterfinals for the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Uh, We're in the 90th minute, and Houston's up 4-1 on Chicago, so I feel pretty good about the Dynamo. And Mark, you and I were both watching earlier your Pittsburgh Riverhounds go into Cincinnati and play a really tight 60 minutes, and then the wheels fell off of Bob Lilly's Wacky. Yeah, um, just back to the LAFC match. Yeah, I watched this the second leg uh, just this past Sunday with the rest of you, um, and yeah, it was it was just it was a bit disappointing. But I think remember there are two sides to every soccer match. Um, credit to Club Leon who were really exceptional. Um, they're just a really tight, very talented soccer club, and the only part of that that was, I guess, you know, to your point, Matt, was kind of like, wow, LAFC are not up for this was when they started getting Olayed around like the 70th or 75th minute. And it was like, wow, you're getting Olayed in your own stadium. That's a bad look. So anyhow, um, I like the new restructuring. I don't like the name, not because I don't like the name, but because I'm really confused about the CONCACAF Champions Cup, which became the CONCACAF Champions League, which became the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So um, the, the, the renaming's a little annoying, but I, but I, I'm with it. I think it's, I think this is a better format. The thing that Matt and I were talking about before we started, we clicked the, the record button was, um, that it, what really matters the most is very similar to what really matters the most with us open cup, which is who your TV carrier is. Who's, who's broadcasting the game. Um, I watched the Riverhound Cincinnati match and for the first 15 minutes, I was really just thoroughly annoyed at the low picture quality of the YouTube stream for B slash R 
um VR channel. football mark B, whatever it is i you know like it's <laughs> it's not it, if 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 it's a you know fly by night huckster um dot com next year or you know like bet 500 usa backslash crypto backslash binance uh dot ubs like that's just not a great sign for for where the the cup is and it's, it wouldn't be a great sign for the CONCACAF Champions Cup either. So, you know, I hope they can make a deal with Apple, or I hope they can make a deal with Fox, or I hope they can make, make a deal with ESPN. Although I think ESPN feels like they are stepping out of soccer. Um, I do think that there are fools that want to rush in on um, soccer. You know, for everyone who says like, oh, we haven't gotten the the audience that we thought we would get and we haven't gotten the ad revenues that we thought we would get. There's somebody else who looks at, you know, the new teams coming into the league like San Diego with a $500 million expansion fee and goes, there's gold in them thard hills, you know, that says that television is absolutely, there is, there is a ton of revenue to be made from this. Um, CONCACAF Champions Cup, I think more than anything else, because it's got a long, robust history and it's got really the siren song to domestic American soccer fans, which is the Mexican market. You know, there's there's not as much money to be made from a Houston Chicago uh, Tuesday night matchup, Matt, as there is from a Sunday night LAFC with Chicharito and Carlos Vela. Well, if they were on the same team, versus uh, Tigres or Chivas or uh, Monterrey or uh, Club America. I mean, those are just, you know, gangbusters, exciting clubs to watch. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, finally to the the Riverhounds tonight. Um, no, dis- no disrespect, no shame at all in their game. They went into um, Cincinnati last year and got beat. They go- went into Cincinnati this year and got beat. It's a tough environment to go into onto the road. Um, they beat two MLS teams in a row. I did the preview uh, for today's match for our website, Pittsburgh Soccer Now, um, and just talking about, you know, how difficult it is to go three in a row. I didn't do a complete survey of every USL team ever, but the only two teams I could think of off the top of my head from USL that had knocked off three straight MLS teams were the 1999 USL, sorry, uh, US Open Cup champions, um, the Rochester Raging Rhinos, who won four, they beat four MLS teams on their way to the club. Of course, the um, the U.S. Open Cup final in 1999 was contested by the Rhinos and the Colorado Rapids. Um, the Rapids being the last team to uh, lose, last MLS team to lose an open club to a lower division team. And then last year, of course, Sacramento Republic, um, you guys can go back and listen to last year's podcast on on this about this, the the uh, center space is disappointment for um, lower league teams, but they knocked off three teams. The Sacramento Republic knocked off three MLS teams on their way to the final, which they they dropped three nothing. So um, you know, for the for the Riverhounds to, to knock off two MLS teams and then kind of come up short against a third is no disrespect. I mean, I think they did a great job. Um, those guys are going to come back to Pittsburgh tomorrow, and the fans are just going to. Um, cheer them roundly. The only thing left is, of course, the fact that the Riverhounds, which expanded as a team in 1997, 
have yet to win any hardware of any kind. They've never won any trophy. Um, the one thing that I will say, though, is uh, they're sort of like in MLS. There's no East-West Conference trophy. Like, there's no... You can't... You, you don't go home with, with anything for, for winning your, your side of the... Uh, of the division. And, and that's too bad because the river hounds, I think would have either one or two trophies if that was the case. Okay. Um, Mark, I think we'll, we'll, let's table mentioning Ted Lasso coming to completion. I think we did, that deserves to be its own banter topic. Also spoiler alerts, right? You maybe, maybe folks aren't all caught up. With the okay. Season. Yeah. Let's, let's give people <laughs> another week before we end up talking about it. We'll talk about it next week, folks. Uh, Anthony Hudson, Mark is off to Qatar. Yes, to a Qatari Star League team whose name is Al-Marhia, F-C-M-A-R-K-H-I-Y-A. I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, <laughs> he previously had success in the region with the Bahrain national team. Um, if, you're, if you're over 95 years old and stormed the beach at Normandy, or you, you are from Qatar, please write into the show and let us know uh, whether we're doing this right and or thank you for your service. <laughs> okay. Um, I, Mark, I, I wish Anthony Hudson no ill will. Obviously, his time yeah. with the Rapids was not successful. I hope that he would land on his feet, and I hope that he would learn and grow as a head coach. I think he is a better coach having left the U.S. Soccer Federation than the head coach yeah. who was ultimately fired for, um, you know, at the end of his tenure where he said that he was fighting at the bottom with a bottom group of players. A lot of Rapids fans think that he was fired because of those comments and because they were incendiary in addition to the team playing poorly. Listeners, I have it on very good authority. Had they lost the Atlanta game, regardless of anything else that would have happened, he was getting fired. That was him setting the precedence for his job interviews, which were ultimately successful with Greg Berhalter, apparently. So, <coughs> Mark, I wish I would answer the Hudson no ill will or anything. I think yeah. he's a better coach now. He's obviously a, a recovering a recovered alcoholic and everything. He seemed like a nice guy. He didn't work in MLS. He didn't work with the Rapids. And I wish him a lot of success at all. Mark Korea, uh, SC as he goes and coaches in Qatar and I assume eats some Qatari food and maybe hangs out with Mr. Q or, or whatever it is that he's going to do. Rabbi, I'll throw it to you. Zlatan's officially retired. Uh, he didn't play a whole lot for AC Milan, but was a big part of them winning the Scudetto, I guess, two seasons ago now. Uh, Napoli, the current Italian champions. Uh, Rabbi, what is your favorite? Give me a favorite uh, Zlatan moment. And then uh, I asked you earlier today on the podcast about the Miller Moss, which are still infesting but are due to leave in short order the greater Denver area. And the Rapids have not won since the Miller Moss showed up. What can you tell me, Rabbi, about the sports teams in Egypt and how good or bad they played during the various plagues of Egypt before <laughs> Moses and his people went and GTFO'd? Yeah. Uh, Clearly, well, for me, my fa- I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't have a great memory for Zlatan in the old days, so I have no recollection of what he did for Manchester United or any of those things. Um, uh, I definitely wasn't a fan of his back when he was still playing in his native Sweden. I think he, he started with Malmo. Is that right? Yes, Momo is his youth club, and then he was at Ajax, and then he was at one of the Milans, and then he went to Barcelona, then he went to one of the other Milans, then he went to PSG, then Man United, then the Galaxy, and now back with AC Milan. Folks, he did that without notes. He just came up with that off the top of his head. Matt is a wonder, and that is why we made him the, C- <laughs> the CEO. Um, yeah, no, my, there's no doubt that for me the greatest memory of all time of Zlatan is when he stepped in in El Clasico. Um, I believe he had basically just stepped off the plane the day before, so they didn't start him. 
but he came on like roughly right after halftime. He came into the game, he saw the opposing goalkeeper was off his line, and he belted a screamer from about just past the center circle uh, and just, you know, swish nothing but net into the back of the goal for, uh, to I think that, that goal either, uh, I think that one drew it up um, uh, for LA Galaxy against LAFC. I mean, the biggest guy in the biggest game with the biggest goal that you've ever seen. That will be forever on a loop in MLS highlight reel memory uh, as one of those more spectacular plays of all time. Um, you know, just absolutely spectacular. I think the other thing, I, I uh, this has been re-promoted over and over and over again every time Zlatan does anything, but the article the in The Athletic that um, Pablo Maurer wrote where it notes that uh, one of the players on the team who's not named Kevin was called Kevin by Zlatan for a whole year and a half. Um, it's just, you know, epic. It's just fantastic. And, and, and that kind of Zlataniness. I mean, if you watch Ted Lasso this season, earlier in the season, they had a character named um, Zava. Zava. And Zava was 100% um a a uh a, a creation of or an imi- imitation of Zlatan and the craziest thing if you are a soccer fan who was watching Ted Lasso is you'd watch Zava do things and say things and you'd think like that was pretty funny and that was pretty cool the crazy thing is Zlatan is even crazier and cooler so the joke that I threw out on Twitter was that uh he was definitely going to go off to his avocado farm and raise giant avocados from here on out so May we wish him well, and uh, I hope I see him back in, in MLS maybe as a partial owner. That seems to me to be a totally logical move. Um, you know, uh, MLS is the league of celebrity owners. Um, you don't really see that in Europe because it's too busy. Those teams are too busy being bought by um, shell companies of the Saudi government or Russian oligarchs. So uh, they can't possibly give up a 5% share to Thierry Henry. But that happens in MLS all the time, hence the reason that LAFC could literally make a blockbuster film out of just its owner's crew. So um, Zlatan, consider buying a piece of the Colorado Rapids. We we probably are going cheap these days. Yeah. Um, w- one fun thing, Mark, uh, no spoilers here, folks, but there's a no significant spoilers. But at the in the final couple minutes of Ted Lasso, there's a pretty good scene of a bunch of magazines that are showing kind of some stuff in the future that's happened after AFC Richmond finishes up their season. And Mark, one of those is uh, has Zava's face on it. And it says that he's come out of retirement to play for LAFC. No doubt that's a Brandon Hunt huh. insert in there. And there's even a quote saying, uh, Mark saying, uh, Zava says, I love Los Angeles. They love avocado toast here. So that is almost as great as a quote as when uh, Zlatan was asked about his future being out of contract at PSG. And he said, I don't believe they can change the Eiffel Tower for my statue, even the people behind the club. But if they can, I will stay here. I promise you. And so nice. that's my favorite Zlatan quote, but he has a number of other moments that are fantastic, Mark. Rabbi, shall we get to the actual soccering and the actual Burgundy boys and their sadness? Come on, Eileen. 
Listeners, this past Wednesday at um, Lower.com Field, which Rabbi uh, had the pleasure of being in the presence of the Colorado Rapids, lost by a score of 3-2 to two to Columbus Crew. No big rundown here, folks. No good thing, bad thing, big thing. You can watch the highlights if you want us to dissect what has continuously been wrong with the Rapids. Go back and see some of our other previous stuff. Maybe there's other people in the Rapids media community that are doing that kind of stuff so i'll just go over here briefly mark uh the rapids started out really brightly and had a good first half sam nicholson scores in the ninth minute jonathan lewis maybe had a dog situation with uh quinton being the last defender back and they kind of bump l they bump shoulders with quinton coming in from behind lewis kind of going down easy if it's a foul i think it's a dog so red card um for denying a goal scoring opportunity was not called a foul so no red card for quinton who was subbed off at halftime lucas elarion with a bunch of chances he equalizes before halftime uh, goes to 2-1 for Zawanski, who subbed in for Quinton and solved a lot of the issues in possession and at the back for Columbus Crew. And then Cucho Hernandez, 10 minutes later in the 72nd, scoring on a nice combination with Zellerion to make it 3-1. Cole Bassett with a goal in garbage time coming off of the bench to make it 3-2 in the uh, 90th minute plus 5, but not enough time, and the Rapids lose 3-2. Rabbi, your general thoughts and your big thing from this loss, having attended it in person. My big thing was away games are fun and you should go to them. Um, the food was great at uh, the stadium, which is uh, it's called Lower.com Field. Um, if you want a full rundown, I did a really deep dive review. It's interesting. I actually clicked back to see what I wrote about Cincinnati um, when I went there two years ago. And um, I didn't do a deep dive into the stadium, but I've done like an actual pretty robust review of the stadiums of four of the away games I've been to. I actually didn't seem to have written anything. I don't think, I don't think I wrote anything about when I went to SKC. Um, but if you'd like to know a little bit more, if you're, if you're the kind of uh, rambling man, rambling woo man who, who likes to travel um, and you want to learn more about uh, going away to Cincinnati, going away to uh, Columbus, highly recommended, beautiful city, really enjoyable experience. Um, in terms of being in person, you know, that first game, that first goal was spectacular. Um, and there is really nothing like standing in a section where 3000 people are wearing the other team's colors and you are standing, screaming your head off and 3000 people are silent, staring at you with a great deal of hate. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Do it sometime in your life. Um, yeah, then, but but that really was not indicative of what was going on in the game. The general mood was that the Rapids were kind of doing some neat things early on in the first half. Um, tactically, what I mentioned in the uh, back pass I wrote this week was they were kind of bunkered in a five four one, and they were looking to cut lines and jump uh, jump bad passes. Um, and then ram it down Columbus's throat. I thought that was a great tactical decision, but we just don't have the team to win games. Um, we're not deep enough and talented enough to pull off enough goals. And defensively, we're just very soft in the middle. And I don't mean, I don't just mean the back line, although the back line did let us down. Um, Keegan Rosenberry was a little off. Uh, Moise Bombito. Um, was off, as you mentioned, a little bit in the rundown, and the um, there's really not a lot of steel in the tackle in the guys kind of in the middle. Connor Ronan is being asked to be all over the place. He's often not capable of getting all the way back to, to kind of settle down things in the middle. So Columbus, after the half, were just really able to 
enforced their will upon the team. They always looked like the better team. Um, Kucha Hernandez's goal was really lovely. Um, Lucas Elrayan looked like a fantastic player who's just a touch above all of our players. Um, and uh, Darlington Nagby was solid as usual. So they're just a very good team. They're better than the Rapids. Uh, it just took about 45 minutes till they made that eminently clear. Um, when they were up three to one, me and Etta, uh, Etta really wanted to go. Um, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to stay for the final whistle. I was like, come on, we can go. I was like, fine. So we left. And as we were walking down the stairs out of our seats, there go five people in Colorado Rapids jerseys. And I was like, what the heck? Because we didn't see anybody. And I ran up and said hi. And it turns out it was um, Wilma Markanek. Uh, Wilma Markanek is uh, uh, Anthony Markanek's mom and his sister and his cousin and a couple other people. And so we got a photo and it's on uh, the Twitter machine. So you can go check that out. But they were really lovely. Um, and the Markanics live in the Columbus area. So that was really huge and, and very cool that like, you know, uh, <laughs> the great thing about being an away fan is uh, you stand out like you're, you're there were there were 10 of us. And so I saw all of them. I saw t- I talked to two other folks coming out of the stadium at the end. Right. Um, it was a blast. It was it was a good experience, uh, except for the losing. And the biggest thing, my big thing takeaway from the losing is we're not as good as most other teams in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, last podcast, I mentioned that I felt that Robin Frazier had been getting out coached in recent games and we wanted to revisit that. I'll revisit that by saying I do not think in either game this season. This week, this past week, he was out. <laughs> it felt like a season. It was so long. Yes, I do not think in either game last week that Robin Frazier was out coached either by Wilfred Nance with Columbus Crew nor with Luchi Gonzalez over at San Jose Earthquakes. I think there were things that changed in the game state, and he did not have enough tools in order to make that work. So imagine if you're down two pawns, a rook, and a queen to start a chess game, for example. That is what Robin Frazier was dealing with. Didn't have Diego Rubio on the road as well. Had to start a bunch of kids and everything. It was nice to see Cole Bassett come back. I think now, Mark, we're I think we're at a, at a place where, given that he played almost an hour against San Jose, he's back and maybe he's filling that hole that was vacated by Max with what's going on with his situation. But... <clears throat> where I think Robin was the better coach overall in the game against Columbus was you looked at it, even though Columbus had more of the ball and maybe the general metrics that you would use to analyze how a game is going, uh, the Rapids were absolutely the more dangerous team. They set themselves up really, really well to press and hunt in packs and then go for those mistakes and then try and punish those mistakes. You know, see footnote one, see evidence piece one, uh, Sam Nicholson's goal was absolutely fantastic. They had a number of other really close calls as well. If Jonathan Lewis is maybe informed like he was, you know, a month or two ago, it's probably 2-0 before Zella Ryan gets that goal over for uh, Lewis goes in with uh, Quinton, the center back for Columbus, and then potentially has that dog so situation. I did not think it was a foul. Mark, I'd, I'd be curious to know your thoughts. I think I think the angle of it, based on what is shown on camera, is a little bit deceptive or makes it look harsher than it was. I don't think that I think Johnny was starting to lose possession of the ball, potentially with the goalkeeper coming off of his line. <clears throat> and I do think that Lewis went down a little bit easy and it maybe said something to the referee. And as I've reported to on this podcast, um, multiple members who are are now still currently in part of the pro referee organization. I mentioned that they feel that the Rapids abuse generally is more abusive than it is from other MLS clubs. And maybe that 
uh, effects there officiating. I'm not entirely sure, as we'll get to in a little bit. Mark Robin had some comments to say about the officials from both games this week. But I thought Frazier set his team up very, very well to for the start of the game. As soon as Wilford Nancy dealt with that and dealt with that well, you know, Zawanski was absolutely fantastic. Quinton was obviously very, very poor in the first half. They just they didn't have any tools to combat that. And they were already working on such razor thin margins given the injuries that the Rapids had, vis-a-vis a healthy and starting Cucho Hernandez and Rayan. Something Mark that you postulated maybe we would not see from Columbus, given they also had a double game week. They would have rotated out one mm-hmm. or two of those and then potentially also Darlington Nagby. Wilford Nancy got all of his starters and they got the three points and it's just it's really really hard when your equivalent to Darlington Nagby is out with a uh, Achilles injury and is out for the season and your team doesn't have the budget for a um for a Cucho or for a Zella Rayon and I think that was all she wrote anything else we want to say about Columbus Mark before my you know sick dying voice you know starts to wane a little bit uh can we move on to San Jose we shall let's go let's keep going I apologize for my voice sounding a little bit weird and a little bit hoarse this uh, this week, folks. Uh, I'm overcoming some, uh, you know, a little bit of a bugaboo. Maybe it's allergies. I'm not sure. It is not COVID, in case we're wondering. I've had two negative tests with that, but I'm feeling a little hoarse and I've been really coffee and really dry throaty a little bit. So I'm trying to hydrate. We've got to see a man about a little horse and his name is Matt Pollard. Listeners, this past Saturday, the Colorado Rapids played San Jose Earthquakes and they got a nil-nil draw. Cole Bassett had a bunch of chances, including two really decent headers. Uh, Daniel made a fantastic save on one of those. Moise Bombito was red carded a couple minutes into the second half. It was his second yellow card, tactical yellow. I'll get to that in a little bit with my big thing, Mark. And then later on in the game, uh, you had Mike Barrios sub in, and he goes and challenges a defender, Rodriguez. Rodrigo in the box and he goes down and the referee immediately blows the whistle and gives him a yellow card for simulation. VR gets involved and it is rightfully called a penalty, which Connor Ronan takes and then proceeds to miss. Uh, and that was about it. I mean, Mark, I, I don't know that I can, I can't recall one significant chance that I think that San Jose had in this game. They were most dangerous when they were in transition, but on the whole, I thought the Rapids absolutely bossed it through the first 60 minutes and you know maybe the only maybe the let up there for San Jose was once there was the red card they got to have a little bit more possession and really kill the game but everything that they did to me looked like they were playing for uh, a draw in this game given how they play on the road Rabbi I'll throw it to you just again big things that stand out well the miss PK is probably the only story of the game I mean other other than that and a shot by Cole Bassett a, a header on a corner in the 13th minute, um, that would, which generated 0.13 expected goals. Those were the two big chances for the Rapids, uh, and they didn't convert them. Um, this was kind of a dull game. There wasn't a lot to it. It was just very um, stiff, and uh, we just didn't look particularly fluid or exciting on the day. And, and I think that... Um, is starting to become typical of how the Rapids play. Um, they just don't seem to be a very tactically exciting um, or 1v1 talent-laden team, you know, like where Acucho Hernandez is going to get a ball and he's going to rifle it into the back of the net or you're going to get um, a player like uh, Brenner or Brandon Vasquez for Cincinnati um, or, uh, you know, any of the players like Carlos Heel for, uh, New England who are gonna, 
get a ball and and make a bit of magic or when they're given a really great chance in in a fairly good spot they're going to take it um that's just not what the rapids do they they don't get a lot of big opportunities and when they do get big opportunities they don't do a whole heck of a lot with it um and that is where we're at right now it's it's just uh there's a lot of not great we're just um a, what I wrote uh, to sum up this game was we're through the first most of the first half and the Rapids don't look like a team that really knows how to create high quality chances or finish them. Same as their last 16 games, really. Um, that's who we are right now. We we um, we might be defensively tight in a game, but that means that we're going to sacrifice a lot of offense. Um, we may have moments of glory, but overwhelmingly we're let down at, at the total of 11 positions. And I think overall, and this is like the brutal thing, and it's to your, it's the other side of the coin of what you were saying about Robin Frazier getting out coached. And then the last week, him coaching quite well. I agree. Robin Frazier coached these games exactly the way any good coach would coach them. The talent wasn't there. The, the level of talent on the field is not good enough right now. Part of that is injuries. Absolutely. Right. A Diego Rubio, and um, uh, Jack Price on the field, and this team is significantly different. But we're still also like those two guys would probably make this team a seventh place in the Western Conference, eighth place in the Western Conference level team. We're still one player away from really being good enough with them, and that's with them, and we don't have them. So we're three players away from being a solid MLS team, um, the last thing I want to say is I had totally forgotten. I think you mentioned it in the rundown, but but maybe not that they put on not Kevin Cabral but Remy Cabral in the uh, Columbus game, and they put on Marlon Vargas at the end of that game, and that was to me. I was like, I looked up and I was like, who the hell are these guys? Right? Like, what is going on? That like this is the level of depth that we need on this team. I am team play your kids, right? Like I very much believe in rolling out younger players. Um, but these guys are just not guys that were ever on my radar as potential future starting Colorado Rapids. Daniel Leva is fine, but he is the little boy putting his finger in the dam to try to keep the water from leaking. Right. And we're, you know, uh, Russia drone strike on a Ukrainian dam levels of problems right now, right? The water is pouring out of the reservoir. A little boy's finger is not going to fix it. Uh, to say nothing of the radioactive material that's coming from the arsenal refuge as well, Rabbi, but... Uh, Vault, a Zaporizhia nuclear re uh, uh, reference on top of my uh, Russia-Ukraine. We're, we're topical with the news too, folks. You don't need to tune in to MSNBC uh, and uh, Extra Time Radio. You can get it all right here on Holding the Highline. Mark, it's this kind of stuff that is why people are highliners and listen to Holding the Highline with Rabbi and Red. So... Um, a, a few points that I'll start. First of all, Rabbi, let's go with the uh, pool reporting is back, Rabbi, and it's back to being in print rather than via email. That's an interesting, fun little tidbit. But I, as pool reporter, asked a question, and then I was given, because I didn't use all three of my questions, I was allowed to ask a follow-up. So I asked what <laughs> about the foul that Moise Bambito did on Paul Marie in the 51st minute was deemed a yellow card. It was a second yellow card, not a straight sending off. 
And so uh, the quoted response I got uh, listeners from uh, the pro liaison was, quote, uh, the foul was deemed to have stopped a promising attack, which is a point of emphasis in the 2023 season, end quote. Mark, I look at the terms promising attack. And I think to myself, then, okay, so this is uh, this is tactical foul. This is professional foul. Mark, I don't know if you're watching the uh, the NBA finals as well, but I would say, you know, unabated to the basket, that kind of a thing. Sure. I thought, well, it's coming off of a set piece. It was a ball that was cleared. There were a number of players back. This wasn't Moise Bombito tackling, uh, where if he doesn't make that tackle, then Paul Marie potentially has a numerical advantage. I've never seen that kind of a tactical foul given as a yellow card. So I used my follow-up question to ask what about that play was considering promising that then warranted it being a tactical foul as a second yellow. Uh, to the response I which I got was, quote, uh, if not for the foul, the attacking player has space and options to continue on a promising attack. If you go back and you look at the replay mark, there's a straight line with no Rapids defender immediately in front of the goal for Paul Marie to potentially run on goal. Now, with how far out he is, I would assume Danny Wilson, albeit not being as fast as Moise Bombito or Jonathan Lewis or Cole Bassett, is able to get there to where Paul Marie just doesn't get to run in on Marco Ilicha and then try and actually shoot. There are a number of players uh, back, obviously, for San Jose that are part of the attack. It's effectively another set-piece opportunity. Uh, Mark, I don't see how... I'm fine with, okay, the league says that this is something that we want to emphasize. This is not the first time a pro reporter question for the Rapids or another MLS team has is just now finding out about a new change that pro is making in their emphasis of how they're trying to call the game. We have seen this before in terms of their changes to violent conduct and what they see as contact to the head, neck, or facial area. We have seen that be inconsistent over the course of the past six years. <coughs> Excuse me. And we've also seen, uh, you know, uh, we saw that with uh, Kevin Cabral um, a couple weeks ago with the with his yellow card on Andre Blake, where it's the fact that Blake was going to get to the ball first and Cabral didn't take an action to completely avoid the, ge- the goalkeeper, regardless of contact. Cabral was given a straight red card last season with the LA Galaxy for a very, very similar play where he actually does make contact as well. Mark, uh, listeners, I'm, I'm fine with pro making these changes. But given the immediate response and shock and awe that you see from the players, from the coaching staff, from the club, obviously from the media, Pro is doing a poor job of communicating this. I would say in general, one of my biggest issues with MLS referees is not their officiating, their inconsistency, their perceived bias, bias, real or actual against the Colorado Rapids, but their inability to communicate and then control and prevent things from getting out of hand through that communication. Rabbi, I'll give you a an example. There were two instances in which uh, Kikanovic and Makshu get into it in this game, and in both instances, he talks to one or both of the players to try and calm things down. I don't know what the referee ended up saying to either of those players. I'm not sure if that had an effect on their lack of heatedness towards each other going earlier, uh, going on later in the game, but it certainly did not happen again after that second time that he spoke to them for almost a minute. That is a good example of maybe the referee communicating things and saying, hey, somebody else clips another one. I'm giving you a yellow card. This is my final warning to you. And so 
I would like to see Pro communicate this a little bit more to the point where we know about this before the season and players and coaches and clubs can be aware of this. The fact that I'm just now finding out about the change in terms of their perception of what is a tactical foul based on what is a promising attack in something that I have never seen been given a yellow card for a promising attack in that situation ever again, I think is um, incredibly unfair to the spirit of the game and incredibly unfair to the fairness with which Pro is trying to call the games. To say nothing, Mark, of obviously how crestfallen Moise Bombito was after that play and given how good of a game he was having. To say nothing even further, Mark, of what I felt was the Rapids being the better team, and I think on the whole of the 90 minutes, had it finished 11v11, the Rapids would have played well enough to where you would have said the Rapids should have won this game. Whether or not they end up converting one of those chances because this team can't score goals right now is another question. On that note, Rabbi, my last thing that I'll say <clears throat> about this one is uh, I think it's a valid question now. Who takes penalties? Because you have mm. Diego Rubio coming back from a couple of injuries, potentially one lower body, one upper body. Um, and <laughs> he missed a penalty against uh, Vancouver. And then he was on the field and Connor Ronan took the penalty. And Robin Frazier said after that game in the penalty they scored, which would have been against Philadelphia, he said, I've never seen Connor take a penalty before. Presumably, that is Woody Harris's um, responsibility towards the end of training to actually deal with that. But now Connor Ronan's missed a penalty. Mark, I feel like if in whatever hierarchy the Rapids are using to determine PK takers, if Jonathan Lewis or Kevin Cabral were better than Connor Ronan, that <coughs> one of those two would have taken one of the two penalties that Ronan has now taken. I think it's a valid question who takes penalties. If there's doubt in Diego Rubio based off of his miss and based off his injuries and Connor Ronan has now made one, missed one. Second one wasn't particularly good. I thought Daniel was absolutely fantastic on the night. I think I, I don't know where you turn to from here. And I, I think this just speaks to further mark the lack of confidence and the lack of finishing touch that uh, the Rapids striker core has right now. Last thing I'll say on this, Rabbi, I, I'm not seeing it from Kevin Cabral. He floats in and out of games. He's decent moving. He tries to do checkers. He's a really decent presser of the ball. That's not unlike Jossie's artist as well. I'm not seeing a DP right now, Mark. I, I would be, if, if that's all you're asking for from your DPs and everything, at the very least, Darren Yappi doesn't try to do too much solo ball and then ultimately end up giving it away. I think Kevin Cabral is being played out of position. I think Yappi coming back now from the U20s, having uh, them lost to Uruguay 2-0 on the weekend as well. I have to assume he'll be available for Orlando. I, I think if you're playing Cabral, it has to be in one of the wide roles with Yappi up top or Diego Rubio back in the false nine empty bucket uh, once he's back and uninjured. Rabbi, anything else about these two games or shall we move on? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think your your points about Kevin Cabral are right. We just need more from a DP, but I think he's not really a DP. He's a cut rate DP since we're paying half uh, half his salary. So it's 800000 I think that's actually one of my like weird thoughts about the Colorado Rapids. Like we were finally happy that the team had three DPs this year for the first time really in club history, although depending on how you do the math from last year, you could say that. But these guys, they're not like DP DPs. They're like guys we could pay for on TAM, but we choose to categorize them as DPs. Um, meaning we don't have guys that we're paying $2 million for or $3 million for or $6 million for. We have guys who we're paying like 800000 for. And I'm not saying that that's not good enough because if they were really good players and we were getting getting a bargain on them or they were young players who you know were like um you know brandon vasquez the the rumors are that he is moving on 
um, at the transfer window in July. Um, he's been linked with Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's been linked with Everton. He's been linked with um, Norwich City. Uh, and, you know, we don't have those guys. We didn't, we didn't buy low on a guy in Argentina. We didn't buy high on Blaise Matuidi coming out of France. We just have these guys who are like, yeah, they're like a TAM guy, but we'll call them a, a DP because, and that's, that's, I mean, Maxo is probably the only legit DP level player. He's been fine. Um, I assume if you put better players next to him, um, the whole team will suddenly look better and he will look better to that end. Um, one stunning thing I thought in doing my preview of Cincinnati today um, for Pittsburgh not for Pittsburgh soccer now was that I was really um, surprised to find that the starting back line for Cincinnati these five years has had one common element. And that was really surprising to me. You would think that a team that finished and had the, and won the wooden spoon in 2019, 2020 and 2021 would have zero players in common from those years as today. But Nick Hagland was the starting center back in, 19, in 2019, 2020, and 2021, and he was the starting center back uh, in the, to start the season in 2023. You put Matt Miazga next to him and a bunch of other really good wingers like Ray Gaddis and um, a good uh, midfield and so on, and suddenly you're the literally the best team in Major League Soccer this year, which is what Cincinnati are. And if you surround him with garbage, like Je- a completely unmotivated Jeff Cameron – you get garbage. So that's the Rapids. You know, they're they're a couple players away, but they're a couple players away. Um, with that, Holding the Highline is a reader-supported publication. We do this out of love, but website hosting, buying gas to go to training, or to drive to Columbus and then stay at a hotel, although that was a lot of fun. Don't worry, I ain't complaining. Anyways, it ain't free. If you value what we do, consider becoming a paid subscriber at just $42 a year or $5 a month, it's the price of a Frappuccino. You can afford it. A yearly subscription will get you some discounted or free merch from us this year. Uh, You'll be getting a pint glass from us. All you got to do is uh, pay for shipping and handling, and we will send it to you. A yearly subscription uh, is more than worth it just for the content that we provide in terms of the podcast and on our substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Uh, occasionally, we also throw some cool stuff behind the paywall just for yins. You will be supporting citizen soccer journalism, and we appreciate it. Hashtag cheers to the sixes. Back to you, Matt. Mark, I want to talk about briefly uh, Darren Yappi, whose time, obviously, at the U-20 World Cup came to an end. And honestly, Rabbi, for me, I think it was a little bit of a disappointment. You know, he played a total of 117 minutes of lost three games. Um, he started against Fiji, arguably the weakest of the three group stage opponents that the U-20s were going to play. He didn't score. I don't believe he recorded an assist. FOTMOB does not do anything beyond primary assist listeners, so I haven't been able to find an easy way without going through and looking up all the highlights of all the goals to see whether or not he would have gotten a secondary assist. And then he had two sub-appearances, Mark. Uh, Won the first game in the group stage against Ecuador in the 25th minute. He did play a role in the uh, one goal that was scored in that 1-0 victory for the U.S., holding up the ball decently well and then making a run to really help with the shooting angle for that one. And then he started in the final um, in the final group stage game for the U.S. Uh, 
coming off the bench for 17 minutes against Slovakia in a game that the U.S. was already winning. He did not play in the two knockout stage games, first against New Zealand. Wondering if Anthony Hudson knows any of the young boys on that team, Mark, uh, and he did not play in the 2-0 loss to Uruguay that ultimately saw the U.S. go out. So, you know, Mark, he's yet to score a goal in... MLS, albeit with shenanigans um, surrounding the game, the home opener against Sporting Kansas City. Maybe we're having a different conversation if he gets that shot, you know, a foot further in, or we've got uh, Hawkeye goal line technology that confirms that that shot did in fact go in. Um, but, you know, he wasn't particularly impressive in this tournament. He did not start over the uh, Quinn Sullivan, uh, the youngster from uh, from Philadelphia Union as well. I still think there's a lot of things that he does really well that isn't goal scoring, Mark. I, I see it when I've seen it in training. He is he was far better at the start of this season than he was in times that I saw him in training last year. He's been far better. He's made improvements throughout this season, training regularly, getting some regular game time with the national team at the youth level, with the first team obviously in MLS play as well. But I, I think we need to reevaluate where the you know where the Darren Yappy hype train is right now. He doesn't have a goal contribution in MLS yet. Um, there's a lot of players for the Rapids that need to that should have scored more goals than they have already. I still think he does a lot of other stuff well, but in that regard, he's in the mix. Same with all of the other Rapids forwards right now who aren't in form for me. And maybe the one saving grace that you have for that is he is youngster. He is doing this for the first time. It's his first full season in MLS being in and around the first team as well. So presumably there's room to grow in that regard. But you no, know, Mark, I'm still on. The Darren Yappy hype train, but depending on how far we got to, you know, the next station, the next stop, I'm, I'm contemplating whether or not I want to, I, I'm evaluating if I should get off or at the very least, if we should decelerate the train at this moment. Mark, anything you want to say about Yappy? Um, I know the time zone kickoffs for you and the days that they were on for the U20s weren't super convenient. Yeah, I didn't catch any game, so I don't have any uh, insight that that you don't already have. I'll just add that, like maybe maybe we're rushing him a little bit. It may be just a little bit fast this year. I think also back to my point about surrounded by good or not great uh, players. One of the challenges of being Darren Yappy is that you know water finds its level. He 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 will raise his level to the talent that are around him. And strikers more than any other player on the field are absolutely affected by how solid the players around him are. You know, we will never know how good Dom Baji would have been had he had a really, you know, had he been, you know, with a really unbelievably talented team. Um, that kind of goes for almost every Colorado Rapids striker going going back into history, except for maybe Connor Casey, who proved that he was the man, you know, and, and, and was elevated the entire team and put it put it on his back uh when needed but um you know i i, I am okay with the idea that um if darren yappy comes back to the team this year it's probably not gonna be our savior he's not gonna fix all of the maladies that are afflict afflicting the team right now um and that we shouldn't really expect that of him i think he could come in, he can get very pressure-free reps in the back end of the season, maybe pick up four or five goals and um, get ready for 2024. But, you know, we're already, you hear me, uh, I'm kind of burying the lead here, uh, listeners, which is um, what I haven't really said is a thing that I think I put on Substack today or th this week, but I just want to kind of uh, rep a little bit, which is like, it's probably time as a fan base to shift away from 
we're in the playoff hunt to we're trying to not get the wooden spoon this year. Um, and that's a pretty sad place to be as a writer, as a fan, as a supporter, um, as a follower of the Colorado Rapids that like, we now our expectations for the seasons were maybe we can squeak into the playoffs and then make some noise uh, in the in the playoffs like we have in 2020 and 2021. Um, now we're moving towards uh, we are trying not to finish at the absolute bottom of the table. That is that is for me the goal of the season right now, Matt. Or realistically, right now we're on a seven game winless skid. Um, and so what that more is it six i forget um, uh it was it was six losses in a row going into san jose set the draw against san jose then made it a seven game unbeaten seven, seven game winless streak winless yeah so um at this point you know the other thing we as a uh podcast and a group of supporters are looking for is three points just any three points at any point any time in the season the month of june we would like three points that would be really cool not consecutively through three nil-nil draws. No, no, I'm talking three points all at once. That would be something great. And another thing that would be really wonderful, a home win. You know what we don't have this year, Matt? A home oh, win. Man. We don't have one. We have none. We have zero. It's June. That's crazy. These are problems. Um, and folks on Twitter uh, have kind of noted, and I've noted, um, that like where we're at right now after 16, 17 games is um, statistically in a position where this could turn out, if we continue on this trajectory, to be the worst rapid season in team history. I think mathematically, the, the math that I did showed that the worst season we ever had, we averaged 0.88 points per game. You have to do a points per game thing because the team goes all the way back to 96 and has never had the same number of games in, in a season. Um I, I did write, I believe, this last year that we've never taken home the wooden spoon. That was incorrect. I did not realize that um, in 1996, the first year of the league, the Rapids finished dead last. So we are officially, although unofficially because they didn't have a spoon back then, we are um, holders of one wooden spoon. Let's not get another one. Listeners, back on May 30th, 2023, an anonymous Rapids account that you may be familiar with at Insider Inside Rapids. Maybe there's a maybe there's a portmanteau mark where it's supposed to be Insider Rapids because there's the R in the middle. In any case, on Twitter, actually writing it out, Inside Rapids. Um, I'll just read through the initial thread mark and then I'll talk a little bit about what I wrote for Burgundy Wave that was a follow up to that. And then we can talk about kind of the two key components that are part of this for me. So this is the entire thread in a couple of tweets, listeners. Quote, source, the league is heavily encouraging or perhaps even mandating improvements to hashtag Rapids 96 training facilities at DSGP. Players have filed grievances with the MLS Players Association pertaining to the lack of and rundown facilities forcing the league, uh, forcing the league has stepped in. Uh, the Rapids are one of three MLS teams to not have a dedicated training facility. Almost every team minus these three and a few others have an indoor facility as well. Teams build training uh, training centers in recent years have spent between fifteen and forty million dollars. Uh, the source also added that uh, the Cronky family has indicated zero interest in relocating or selling the club. Uh, this that information was first shared by a Rapids executive with an individual from another team, who then shared it with Inside Rapids. Um, uh, this is our video board, um, the the one that faces uh, that fans can see. 
imagine what it must have been looked like behind the scenes and it shows all the pixels mark other people have photos i put photos in the burgundy wave piece as well <clears throat> inside rapids then quote tweets the article that i had for burgundy wave adds in some other key takeaways as well um uh, quotes me appreciate that as well um and then goes on to add and We'll get into this more next week, Mark, but there's a bunch of land stuff coming up with City of Commerce City that we don't have time to talk about. So there's two buckets here, Mark, for me to talk about. One is the <clears throat> the ongoing facilities issue that the Rapids have going back to my reporting earlier this season that they were looking at doing a, a feasibility study at improving a lot of the infrastructure, including potentially the stadium pitch and, uh, and Field 20 as well. Both of those pitches have had replacements in the last calendar year, and that combined with maybe the lack of infrastructure or possibly implementing it um, effectively to make sure that it's set and had a to make sure the turf had a good preseason, ultimately set them up to have really, really bad fields for practice in which they got all those injuries, which have snowballed even to now to the point where multiple Rapids 2 players are being called up on short-term agreements in order to fill out a full 20-man roster because they've got 10 guys that are out or potentially even more. So there's the there's the field and the infrastructure mark and potentially um, the Rapids looking into that, but potentially the league maybe, you know, looking over their shoulder to being like, hey, guys, you actively need to do this or potentially mandating it out of a concern uh, that there's some legal implications with the MLSPA or out of concern that otherwise the Rapids won't do it because Stan Kroenke's cheap and none of this stuff happens particularly quickly. And then the second kind of bucket of this is the communications aspect of this where <clears throat> this was not particularly communicated well. And then as I go to in my article on Burgundy Way, folks, the um, response that I got uh, for the statement that I got from the club was a lot of stating information that we already knew and did not answer any of the questions directly. And the, the key quote that I have here, Mark, that I thought was my best singer, the piece that Inside Rapids also mentioned as well um, in the club statement. At no point did they actually mention the MLSPA part of this reporting. And so I say, you know, if the club knows for the knows for a fact that the MLSPA hasn't received any grievances from Rapids players, it's in their best interest to say so. I think what was more telling about the response from the club, Mark, was what they did not say, which then thus affirms that maybe this stuff from, a, you know, a, uh, a random anonymous Twitter account that has gotten stuff right in the past is maybe onto it more and maybe there's more truth than uh, sensationalism and hyperbole that is taking place. Rabbi, which one of these two empty buckets do you want to fill up first? Uh, I'll just take it with my take on, on what I how I read the report by Inside Rapids. Um, so because it was a player-initiated thing, I don't think we're really mostly talking about DSGP, although DSGP is a dump and... Um, Physically, as a stadium, it's great. The food is the problem. And the fact that in terms of the amenities for um, high rollers, as I wrote in my article about what it's like to go away to Columbus, there are just so, 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 and Cincinnati when I went there, and LAFC when I went there, there are so, so, so many nice things if you uh, are a high roller and if you're paying good money for a suite or for a luxury um, seating arrangement. Um, that we don't have in Colorado. That's not, I think, what Inside Rapids is hearing. Um, I think the problems that the Rapids have are that their training pitch is too far from the uh, locker room and facility that you've got to like walk out there or take a, a golf cart. Um, and that's like not ideal for a whole lot of reasons. Um, the workout room that the Rapids use, Colorado Rapids players use before or after they run around on the training pitch for weightlifting and for cardio and for um, injury rehab, 
uh, is pretty bare bones. It's really simple. Um, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds got a new training facility this last year. Um, that's a partnership with one of the local medical organizations called Allegheny Health. Um, and it's first rate, top notch, exceptional, above uh, average. And also in the wintertime, um, it's a covered space. When the Rapids need a covered space because of weather, they have to get on a bus and go someplace special. That's really unique. Um, I cover pit soccer here in Pittsburgh. Uh, when the weather's bad, they have a bubble uh, covered field that's heated, that's turf, right next to their regular field that they practice and play on. Um, and they have a brand new gym workout facility, which was built in the last four years, three years, I think. Um, I mean, you know, I'm just basically I've I've I'm, I've just mentioned five facilities uh, one is a college facility that I visited in the last couple of years, and all of them are better than the Rapids, both for game day and for training. That's bad. Um, every this is a this is a top notch, high level professional sport. Um, the players make six figures and seven figures. You have to upgrade your training facilities every ten to fifteen years. If you don't do that, it's unacceptable. So. I agree with Inside Rapids. I don't. I'm a little embarrassed, honestly, Matt, that I've never noticed it or said it before. But um, finding new and different ways to say that KSE is a rinky-dink organization that's second-rate and is something of an embarrassment to Major League Soccer. Um, we've talked about it now. I, me as a writer, and us as a podcast, us as a podcast for five years, and me as a writer for ten years now. The KSE isn't up to snuff with the other MLS teams. This is just a new wrinkle on an old problem. Yeah, no, well said there, Rabbi. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I, I, it's extremely disappointing, and it's just seeing how every single new MLS expansion team that comes in, Mark, the the Rabbi, the the Rapids become uh, get go further and further behind. And to your point, Rabbi, about you know a USL Championship team getting a relatively new facility, um, I have not been to, but I've seen pictures, and I plan to tour in my hard hat and my steel toe boots and everything and do a, an article on the future legends complex up in Windsor is where Hailstorm were playing. They played their first uh, home opener there. They got a big four, one win Mark. What do they have in addition to all of their weight room facilities and everything? They have a bubble dome over an entire full length soccer pitch and some basketball courts as well. Now it is a turf field. Granted they do play on turf as well, but you know, a, a third division team where I'm not sure Mark that there's a player making more than 50 grand on that Hailstorm team has better facilities nor at least certain amenities that are a staple for other MLS teams that the Rapids do not have. And only potentially earlier this year were they looking at investing them. And Mark, I have to wonder just how, how much of that's not necessarily is that the club initiating spending new money or is that MLS got so big and so much better despite right. the Rapids holding them down that they got the Apple TV money. The Apple TV money then solved the altitude legal kerfuffle that was going on which then allowed them to get a better shirt sponsor and then thus that money isn't coming from any of the significant effort that's come from the club but rather just the greater the rising tide lifting all boats the difference is atlanta united and lafc are yachts and the rapids are this rinky dink little rowboat and everything <clears throat> and now they've got some money to get some not some slightly better oars as i continue this metaphor and then mm -hmm. that slightly better oars is them you know upgrading 
Dale's Pub, spending some money. You know, we, we did hear that, you know, it's it's into seven figures now, including the North Boundary, that the um, club is spending on all of these stadium upgrades that we've already seen or that are in works as well. Um, you know, I did see earlier today, Mark, um, that, you know, the a video board would be of that same order of magnitude. It wouldn't be just a couple hundred K. Um, it'd be more than a million dollars. So is that an expense you would rather have or would you rather have a transfer fee for another DP to replace Kevin Cabral when he goes back to France to the second division out of contract, having been disgraced for five years in MLS? So it's nice to see them doing the feasibility study, but how much of the money is that the club's actually spending is because of what MLS grader is doing and not actually the club improving upon itself and then doing that. And I, I say this with the utmost respect, Mark, because um, I know there's at least one person probably from the comms team and a few other people who work at KSC who listen to the podcast. Like a lot of the people who work in there for KSC or specifically with the Rapids like are, are dealing with a very imper- – they're making the best they can out of a very difficult situation. There's a lot of stuff that they don't <coughs> have – a lot of control over and so a lot of this is something that they don't necessarily have a say it's a very difficult hand that pork smith has been dealt throughout his time with the rapids and a difficult market in order to make sense of compared to some of the other markets that we see in mls that are more difficult to to navigate and that's a that, that's a natural reality of it last thing that i'll touch on this the mark is just general from a communication standpoint of and again i'm not necessarily blaming the club directly i wonder how much of this is them working and just doing what's directed above them from the um, parts of KSC that don't care about the Rapids or who want to be a little bit more secretive or who, or who frankly are just paranoid about giving out information because if they're closed and they don't share anything, then people can't criticize and then they can control the narrative. So I, I don't know how much of that is people who specifically work at DSG. I don't know how much of it's Rapids. I don't know how much of it is above them from the suits who we never see from and never hear from who are one or two Kevin debate, Kevin Bacon, degrees removed from you know the from the Cronkies and everything so the that frustration I have Mark is now that the club is handling the injury report updates by not giving timelines or specifics to the injuries just saying upper body or lower body injury Mark you, you may I know you're not a hockey person but uh, there's a similar thing that exists in the NHL and upper but undisclosed upper body injury is basically code for are they potentially in concussion protocol? And that's a huge thing. Anytime a player gets classified under that and a bunch of speculation and a bunch of reporting and trying to read between lines and fans trying to figure it out and breaking down what little film the club reveals uh, post publicly on um, training sessions and everything. And it's a huge deal when a local beat writer gets the scoop of whether or not undisclosed upper body injury is concussion protocol or not concussion protocol. And this is coming Mark off of, what a current uh, member of the training staff of the Rapids tweeted out saying that there was a suggestion that the Rapids had reason to believe that making that information public, that a, another player maliciously attacked one of their players at their point of injury. I haven't revealed all the game film that took place prior to this change, Mark, but if I had to guess, is it probably Diego Rubio's ankle? That'd probably be the one that I would go after for if I was a malicious, you know, Concacafi, you know, no no shame whatsoever don't tell people where the injury is because otherwise players will kick them in the injury yeah i get it i don't like it but i get it yeah so rabbi i have heard that there's not enough evidence that the club has to like bring a grievance against supposedly the player in the club who did that and again listeners i don't have it confirmed that it was diego rubio i don't have it confirmed it was an ankle i don't know what game it took place in that is just my guesstimation probably based on what i would think another player another team would do and then based on the most significant injury the rapids have had so far during 
this season. And so now, Mark, this this is now a problem for people in the media space like you, like me, like Brendan Plone as well, to where we don't know what the injury is. We don't then have the medical science to guess what the appropriate timeline is that's going in there. And so we can't report on that kind of stuff. You know, fans look to us to have this kind of information because we're at training and everything. And now we can't give them that then undermines our credibility. And this organization is so, um, you know, strained in terms of how it's done communications for um you know the for go, going back the last several years and the way in which information gets out to where you know i think it's a good thing that inside rapids is a random rapids fan who my understanding maybe i have this wrong has relatively decent seats at dick sporting it's park to where they get to interact with the kind of people who oh it's just a random fan i can tell them this and there's not really any issue you know th- there's certain things mark that are afforded to us because we're members of the press that give us access give us the ability uh, the ability to do things to interact with people you know random uh, you know, anonymous Twitter account uh, for random Rapids fan with an anonymous Twitter account isn't getting an interview with Lala Sabubakar to talk about Ramadan. They're not get, being able to ask for a public statement from the club about something that's a serious allegation, um, regardless of where that allegation is coming from. They're not the kind of person who gets to hold Porg Smith feet to fire or ask Robin Frazier about tactical stuff. But at the same time, because those channels are <clears throat> the way that they are right now, it's where it's almost necessary for these kinds of fan accounts to exist and then share the information that they get in order to try and hold the club accountable because going through the front door continues to be a imperfect way and not always an effective way of going about doing that. And so that's frustrating for me. Big Last big thing that I'll say on this, Mark, before we turn our attention to Orlando, I agree with the club in terms of what they're doing about their injuries right now, Mark, because... It's one small way that it's not something the league officially the league has a policy on this. The, po- the league's doing a horrible job of enforcing that policy and the Rapids are just going to the bottom where all the other MLS teams are in terms of giving the least information at the least convenient time as possible. And the reality is, Mark, that the Rapids don't have a whole lot of advantages right now. And so if, you know, switching the injuries or potentially now, Mark, I have to ask the question. I have to now have the conspiracy theory of. Rubio's injury on the injury report goes from lower body injury, which we believe previously was reported as an ankle injury, to upper body injury. Was that maybe a typo? Or did the club just secretly think, hey, let's swap that in so that it's the wrong body part? Rabbi, the um, uh, Bill Belichick was notorious for say, for switching which body part was the one that was injured for Patriots players um, when they had injury reports on that. So as opposed to it was uh, Tom Brady who was having some right hamstring soreness, it was Tom Brady who was having some left hamstring soreness. And so if if this is the kind of thing that seems innocuous, that is annoying to certain fans who care about this stuff, annoying to members of the media, annoying to the people with the Sorare cards for certain players that, who – uh, whose values increase based on player availability, but it gets them a 0.000001% chance of having, of more likely getting a result against Orlando. I can see where they're coming from, and I actually agree with it. I just wish they were doing a better job of communicating. Had the Rapids upgraded their facilities and not had a whole bunch of injuries, this would not have been the story, but here we are. <clears throat> Listeners, this coming Saturday, the Colorado Rapids will travel to Exploria Stadium to take on Oscar Pareja and the Lions of Orlando City. Uh, The Rapids currently sitting in 13th in the Western Conference. They have 
13 points off of 17 games played. We are past the halfway point in their 2023 MLS regular season. Their record is 2-8-7, and seven, a goal difference of negative 11. And away from the Richard this season, they are 2-4-3. and three. The Lions of Orlando, 8th in the Eastern Conference, 23 points off of 15 games played. They have a record of 6-4-5. and five. They have a goal difference of plus 3. And at home this season, their record is 2-3-3. Three, and three. Uh, Mark, uh, Orlando City uh, played this past week and got a 3-0 victory at New York Red Bulls. It was a very impressive and a much-needed win for them. I'd say earlier in the season, they had a relatively slow start. And Oscar Pereja, maybe there was some, you know, he was feeling some of the heat on there. Uh, Cucho, not Cucho Hernandez, excuse me, uh, Facundo Torres. Facundo Torres. Facundo Torres is their big, exciting young winger who's supposedly going to get sold for millions of dollars one day. Cara has been starting up top for them with Pereira. Um, in the middle as their number 10, who Rapids fans will be familiar with. Their big offseason acquisition was left winger uh, Martin Ojeda, who was on the bench for this game and hasn't been super impressive, Mark. He's not a great play in fantasy. So him and Evander from Portland were kind of the two big acquisitions that everyone was talking about preseason. He has yet to be that impressive. The rest of Orlando squad fairly the exact same as it was, Mark. Uh, former... Colorado School of Mines minor Tesho Akindeli has retired. He previously was with Orlando. Uh, and then at the back, they're the same as they were and very good defensively, Mark, uh, with Robin Janssen and Antonio Carlos at the center back position. They do still have Rodrigo Slagle of, uh, you know, playoff uh, goalkeeping heroics. He's on the bench for them at center back and at outside back. And in goal, they still have the octopus Pedro Gallese. Mark, what do we see in Orlando City? And, I mean, just the, the Rapids are going to lose because Oscar Perea knows how to poop house them, right? Could be that. Um, they're just on a, on such a skid that I don't see any reason why the Rapids should pull out of it on the road against Orlando, who are a pretty decent team. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. They, they're they young. Uh, there's a bunch of Uruguayans on the, on the squad. Um, you mentioned Facundo Torres is the most interesting player to kind of keep an eye on. They sit in 11th right now, uh, whereas the Rapids are in 28th overall in the league. Um, and this is a team that uh, scores goals. Uh, they also haven't lost in five matches. And so all of those things um, kind of conspire to make them look like a fairly uh, solid team. They've only conceded 17 goals a season on top of that. So they keep it tight. Uh, they play concisely and well they're they're just generally a, a fun team to watch it feels like the rapids play orlando um more than almost any other east coast team in orlando i feel like we've watched that game a lot um i don't know how that happens it 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 just so it got mentioned that I, which i didn't realize that uh uh it made sense though because i've been waiting for the rapids to come to columbus the whole time i lived in pittsburgh but they hadn't been to Columbus in five years, um, whereas it feels like they're in Orlando every year. So I don't know what's up with that. Anyways, um, yeah, Oscar Perea is a fantastic coach. Um, you know, I, I kind of wonder, having seen all the tricks that Robin Frazier tries to pull out to figure out how to get three points, um, if there's anything that he can pull out of his magic bag, other than a healthy Diego Rubio, that would really change the paradigm here. We're basically in a holding pattern for the month of June. Um, I think it's time to start listening to transfer rumors and see whether the Rapids are going to make some upgrades. They need a couple upgrades, uh, even if they want to be competitive in 2024, because those you want to bring in one or two players at the summer window 
that are going to do things. Um, the other thing, and this is the 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 thing that uh, the last thing that I really want to be thinking about, but it, you would be we would be irresponsible as a podcast if we pretended like it wasn't happening. The um, L.A. Galaxy fired Chris Klein this past week. Um, the L.A. Galaxy sit above the Colorado Rapids in the overall table. Um, what I mean by this is, what's that? Oh, they may be below them right now, but I think they've been up and down depending. Oh, the Galaxy are below them. They have 12 points. Oh, yeah, but that's only because of the one point that the Rapids picked up on Saturday. So before, and, and LA Galaxy do have two games in hand for what that's worth. Right. So there's that also. Um, my point is, if you're this far down in the table, people get fired. So, um, you know, this is going to be a rough month uh, around uh, Commerce City if there aren't some results. I would say two wins in, in the next couple weeks and people will start to breathe easier. But like. This is a results-driven business, and if at the if if your team is in dead last in the league um, at the end of June, like you should probably be updating your resume. Not because I believe that people need to get fired or heads need to roll. Like I was the guy who got fired once. We've talked about it on the podcast. I don't wish that upon anyone. Packing two hundred and fifty boxes when I left the state of Colorado to move to Pennsylvania. Not high on my bucket list of things I wanted to do, and I don't wish it upon anybody. Not Anthony Hudson, not Pablo Mastroeni, and not anyone in the front office. But get results in June, or find, or or cons- can call Rabbi Goodman to consult about how most effectively to load tape into a tape gun in order to tape up those boxes, because you're going to be moving. Yeah, you know, and just off of what I said earlier, Mark, where I don't know that a lot of the upgrades that we are seeing from the club is necessarily were initiated by the club as opposed to stuff that happened elsewhere within the league as well. Like, I think it continues to be a valid criticism and question that Rapids fans have of how, you know, the club came out, updated their org chart, potentially gave some guys some new titles, some new promotions, maybe some salary bumps coming off of a season where you missed the playoffs and in a season where, we're having to contemplate now is this team more likely to win the wooden spoon than they are to make the playoffs. And even if they do make the playoffs, they're not going anywhere after, you know, all the hype that again happened with all the new acquisitions in the in the winter transfer window. Um, nothing else to the last thing that I want to say about this, Mark. I understand why Rapids fans or people who've been around the club longer than I have who were there for the Oscar Pereja years and Oscar Pereja's departure. <laughs> feel a certain way about the individual. I don't know that that should now be directed at FC Dallas. There's a number of other reasons to not like FC Dallas and other ways in which the Rapids have gotten one over on Dallas in this. But, Mark, I still feel like there's a lot of Rapids fans who have some charged energy when the Rapids play against a Oscar Breha team, even if it's uh, at another club, which now it is with Orlando. So I can understand where fans are coming with that energy. And typically... When Perez played against the Rapids, he makes it a relatively ugly physical game. Uh, Orlando has Felipe Martins, who was a fantastic poop houseer, uh, you know, in social media and on the pitch for Austin last year. And he's done so fast at other clubs as well. And he's done it to the Rapids. So I, I could see them trying to make this an ugly game and an ugly game for a team that has not had the requisite composure when things go wrong or things are not ideal or been able to solve problems is going to 
um, it's going to be difficult for the Rapids on top of the fact that an ugly physical game doesn't lend itself to numerous high quality predictable chances with the Rapids also have trouble of making as well. So I, I have concerns that if Pereja comes out and tries to poop house the Rapids, tries to Rapids thug life the Rapids, that the Rapids aren't going to be able to fight fire with fire in that regard. And I think that could make it for an ugly, disappointing performance, a difficult game and a game in which I'm not sure the Rapids get anything out of it. Mark, I've, I've got the Rapids losing this one, one nil. What you got? Oh yeah. We're, we're, we'll probably lose this one three nil. We're, we're, uh, we're adrift <laughs> spiritually adrift. Anything else we want to say, Mark or shall what's left of my voice. Get us out of here. Yeah. If there's anything left, uh, Matt, tell him how to hit us on the socials and how to contact us at Rapids nine, six podcasts. At soccer underscore rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard. Those are all of our Twitter accounts. You can find our writing, Pittsburgh Soccer Now, lastwordonsports.com, backslash soccer, burgundywave.com, and holdingthehighline.substack.com. You can go to our Substack page and become a paid subscriber for us. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year. That's the best way to support us. Get at us in long form, tweeting at us using the hashtag AskHTHL. <clears throat> or in long form at rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Listeners, we'll see you next week where hopefully the Rapids are on the up and so is my voice. Peace. Peace.